Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. I want to start off this episode by reading a text message that Yasmin and I got recently from somebody who is using our Bia seed cycling seeds. They've been seed cycling for a few months now. She says, guys, TMI, but Bia for real impact sex drive. You guys already know this, but I'm just saying. My friend and I have been taking it, and I would say we're both in perimenopause, and we both feel a drive that we haven't felt in years. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. <laughs> like she even said, you should put a warning on this because she is feeling all kinds of stuff. Blush face. She was like, all the guys in my area better watch out. I loved this text message. <laughs> we get the best text and messages, I swear. We get the best messages. And a lot of messages from women who are in perimenopause who are using our seeds and feel like themselves again, which is so lovely because that stage of life can feel very uncontrollable. It can feel like, you know, women say that one day they just wake up and they don't feel like themselves, which is, you know, unfortunate, but there's so much that we could do to reclaim that stage of our lives. And that is what this episode is all about. Yes. No, I love it, Kea. And I'm excited for us to one day do a clinical study around seed cycling. It will happen, but just talking to hundreds and thousands of women on seed cycling, especially Especially during the perimenopause phase, like you mentioned, everything is normal. Everything is fine until it's not. And they're like, wait, what the heck? I'm no longer getting my period or it's every 70 days or I'm getting it too often. Like so much changes in your body, you know, weight changes happen. And it's just been really cool to be on the other side to see that, man, there's so much you can do, you know, even outside of seed cycling, just lifestyle shifts and things that you can incorporate to feel like yourself again. And like you said, that's what we talk about all today with Dr. Harper. We talk about the importance of muscle hormone replacement therapy and how to navigate weight challenges at this stage and so much more. So if you or anyone you know is going through perimenopause, you don't want to miss this episode. It was incredible. So many gems. Today we have Dr. Harper on the show. She is an inspiring, forward-thinking menopause and perimenopause doctor who always thinks of the needs of each woman individually. She is the author of The Perimenopause Solution and the founder of the Harper Clinic in London. She understands how hormonal imbalance, weight, skin, and aging can affect both physical and mental health. She believes for a woman to look and feel optimal, you have to have a 360-degree mind, body, and soul approach, and she is not afraid to talk about subjects like libido, vaginal health, and so much more to help women regain their confidence and sexy back. We're super excited to have her on this episode and we think you're going to love it. So let's get into it. Well, Dr. Shazadi Harper, I'm so excited you're here. I've been following your work online for a very long time and we have a lot of women in our community who are in the perimenopause stage and menopause stage, and you call yourself an expert, which is why we're so excited to have you here to ask all our questions. But let's start with a basic question. What are some signs that someone might have if they're transitioning and going through perimenopause? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. You know, what are the symptoms and signs of perimenopause? And I think to understand is that each one of us is really quite different and, and our presentation can be quite different too. Um, I think the thing to recognize is, is probably 
that it can occur a little bit sooner than you and I might have originally thought. I think that, you know, growing up, we probably thought it was a much older woman. It probably couldn't be somebody in her 40s or we didn't think it could be somebody in her 40s. But, you know, I often say to women, if you don't feel like yourself and you're in your 40s and think perimenopause, and that's a really important sign. You know, many women will say, I just don't feel like myself anymore. or I feel I've lost my identity. And I think symptoms are things like you know, not sleeping so well, fatigue. And I think it's a very underestimated symptom because, yes, you know, so much is going around on in our lives in our late 30s, early 40s. You know, I can just tell you the story of myself being 42, thinking I'm tired all the time. I've got joint aches and pains. I'm feeling this anxiety, which I'm not normally an anxious person. You know, I like to be in control and, and a bit of a bossy big sister. And I'm sitting in this menopause conference thinking, oh, my goodness, I think that's me. I think that's me. And suddenly, you know, in my head, even being a medic, um, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I think I'm in perimenopause and I'm 42. Not having those typical symptoms like hot flushes or being that moody, irritable woman. And so, you know, what you may notice originally or initially is your cycle might have changed a little bit. You know, your periods might have just changed a little bit. Um, one of the things, again, for me was, and which is very common for many women that early stages of perimenopause, is that your cycle length may change. So your 30-day cycle may become 26 days. And you may not think much of it at a time, but then you've got two in a month. Your periods may become a little bit heavier. You may experience something like flooding, and you're thinking, hang on, it's a bit heavier than I used to. Um, but I think the other things are the psychological symptoms, like feeling you can't juggle as much as you could do, you know, that feeling of overwhelm. And maybe you might have experienced some of these symptoms premenstrually, but they're happening a little bit more frequently. Um, you're tired, you're not sleeping, you're a little bit irritable, you're flat in mood, that loss of joy feeling. Then combined with some of those physical symptoms, like your period's changing, maybe weight is creeping up a little bit. Uh, you might be feeling a little bit hot and sweaty, even things like vaginal dryness, um, which, again, you know, isn't really talked about much in, in your 40s at all. You know, it's much more of an um, thought of as an older woman's symptoms. So there are so many different symptoms um, and it's very different for each one of us. But I would say think about some of those psychological symptoms. They're more atypical and less aware. And you may just be putting it down to the busyness of life, you know, reaching that career high. But also think about it in a different way that your hormones are changing these are physiological changes and you know things like being forgetful your memory's not being you know feeling as sharp as it, it used to be um you know i've got family history of dementia and i remember feeling terrified that is this what's going on with me you know losing a few things um so so i think there's many more symptoms than you think and so the bottom line would be if you don't quite feel like yourself, if you're thinking what is going on um, and don't always put everything down to the layers of life, because, you know, these are hormones are powerful chemical messengers in our body. And when they change, they impact things like our appetite, our mood, our energy levels, as well as our reproductive cycle. You mentioned that you were listening to, I think, a lecture, you were at a conference and you started to hear about symptoms of menopause and you thought, oh, this is me. So what happened after that? Did you start to make any sort of shifts? Like, what was the light bulb moment for you that kind of maybe changed the trajectory? And now you speak about this to a lot of women. Well, I think the reason I was sitting in that conference um, and in, the, in that lecture was because I really thought that 
women in midlife really weren't getting that medical care and attention. There was really a gender inequality going on. And being um, a big sister, you know, having five younger sisters and also a mother of a daughter, um, for me, you know, women's health and equality for women is really, really important. Um, and so, you know, that's why I was sitting there to learn about it, because I thought women aren't getting that care attention. No one's joining these dots up. Um, you know, and I was seeing women in coming into my surgery, you know, day in, day out with different symptoms, thinking, why is she coming in? What's wrong with her this time? And then thinking, oh, I'll send her to that specialist or this specialist. And really, women were being passed from pillar to post. So the fact I was sitting there thinking I was being proactive and being preemptive, and yet, you know, there were all of these sort of tick boxes going on in my own head for the way I was feeling. That was a real light bulb moment for me. And some of that um, education that I was putting into myself was driven by fear, fear that, you know, my mother um, has dementia and that's something I didn't want to go down the route of. Some of it was fueled by um, vanity, being single, thinking, you know, I, I still wanted to feel and look the best version of myself going out there. Um, but the bottom line is, I think it always comes down to equality. And that's been my driving force, you know, since since puberty, effectively, you know, and that's what's driven me to become a doctor and everything that I do. Um, and, and, and it's always about equality and also coming from a background where maybe, you know, I, I come from a Muslim Pakistani background where maybe women aren't always seen as equals. You know, I've, I've always been somebody who's wanted to push those boundaries and really put women at the forefront. So so that 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 was that was my light bulb moment, just to think that tick, 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 here I am, 42, 43 thinking, well, I'm going through those symptoms. Oh, my goodness, that's why I feel so rubbish. That's why I'm speeding home at night, because I'm tired. Um, and I was just putting it down to being a mum, you know, working, um, you know, looking after my parents as well at the same time, all of those kind of things, which a lot of women are doing, you know, around this time. You know, I love that you said that because... Kay and I talk to so many women and sometimes even in their 30s who are feeling this way and might have, I don't know if that would be considered early perimenopause. Do you see some women have it a little bit earlier? And what do you think might be causing that? So, so you know, I mean, if we talk about the average ages for menopause, which is when your periods eventually stop. So the average age of menopause is 51. And so perimenopause can start 10 years before that. About sort of 10% of women can experience what we call an early natural menopause between the ages of 40 to 45. So obviously, there's going to be a group of women who are going to be experiencing these early perimenopause symptoms in their probable mid-30s. They may even go from having a baby into perimenopause, so postnatal to peri. And then there is, a, you know, 1% of women who are, who do, do go through a premature menopause under the age of 40. So, um, so yeah, I think the other thing to understand is there are cultural differences. Um, and so we know that women of Southeast Asian origin probably experience their menopause in their around 46, 47 years of age. So they, again, maybe experience perimenopause in their late 30s. Also women of sort of um, African-American heritage or Afro-Caribbean heritage, they also go through a slightly earlier menopause. So, you know, I think it is something not to rule out. You know, if you're 35, 36 and you're not feeling quite right, then it is time for a good check-in, a medical check-in. And, you know, that's one of the things I would say. Um, it doesn't have to be framed negatively. This is a time to optimise your health and feel your best. Um, there's nothing wrong with just going for a bit of an MOT, a check-in. And there can be some things that overlap and mimic, you know, some of the perimenopausal symptoms like 
um, having um, thyroid issues, underactive thyroid or overactive thyroid. Um, again, if somebody's, you know, a lot of us eat more plant-based diets, maybe don't have enough iron in their diet. So if you've got, um, um, you know, heavy periods, again, iron deficiency mimics some of the symptoms like, you know, anxiety, um, the, the brain fog, the lack of concentration, headaches. So, so there may be other things going on. Um, and so it's good. It's, it's, it's a good time to think, well, okay, you know, I'm taking control and I'm going to, you know, sort of take charge of my health because, you know, we're living longer these days. Um, so you could be living 40 to even 50% of your life post-menopause. I love it. I love the reframe that you've just been having from when we started the conversation of if you're feeling off, you know, don't discredit it just to life, like really honor how you're feeling. And that's why we wanted to start off this interview of like, what does it look like? Because so many women don't understand the power that hormones can have and any shifts could make you feel significantly better. So I love that you had mentioned that. And also that, you know, you might be feeling this way, but there's so much you can do to take control and reclaim your health. And 40s 50s it's so young like you yeah. have so much time and you know it, and it where can i are also just so passionate because we've done a lot of work on our hormones we always continue to but the way i feel now versus even when i used to have horrible periods i'm like i want that for every woman yeah because it's it's possible so going back to perimenopause what would you say are maybe i know it's tough because there's so many things but top three things that you've seen have can really help someone who might be navigating this i i think firstly it's having that awareness and understanding that you know it's not just going on in your brain you're not going crazy these are physiological changes that are happening you know your hormones are fluctuating they're declining and you know, and our ovaries are powerful things and they don't just affect our periods and our reproductive cycle they affect things like our, our memory you know they affect our, our joints we've got receptors all over our body and our gut brain axis you know so so just just you know be kind to yourself first of all be kind to yourself to understand this is a physiological thing going on. You know, I think it's about changing that narrative from the past where maybe people used to joke things like it's time of the month or it's time of the decade or something like that. Th th these are real things going on. So be kind to yourself um, and, and, you know, your symptoms are valid. You know, how you're feeling is valid. Um, and I think, you know, seek help sooner rather than later. You know, whether it's just you may go and have a conversation with someone, you, you redress, you know, what you're eating because um, our female sex hormones also have a domino effect on other things like, you know, our metabolism and our metabolic health. Um, and also don't underestimate the, the power of stress. You know, it affects so much, you know, our sleep, you know, our cortisol levels are raised, we gain weight. I think as women, there's so many demands put on us, on our, on our bodies. You know, I, I often sort of joke and say, it's a full-time job being a woman, let alone being a doctor as well at the same time. Um, and, and I think that, that that's what I would say. Be kind. Your symptoms are valid. And seek help sooner rather than later, even if what that is is just resetting and reevaluating what's going on. It doesn't mean to say you suddenly have to start slapping on HRT or take a million and one supplements. But, it, you know, sometimes it's good to go back to basics and think, well, you know, am I doing enough exercise or am I doing the right exercise? Am I eating mm. the right diet? You know, am I making a little bit of time for myself just to de-stress, decompress? Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. 
I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. You know, Yasmin and I are in the business of food as medicine. So we always have to ask, how can nutrition support this phase of our lives? What are some dietary shifts that women can make when they're going through this transition? I think I think going back to what I said about, you know, many women can experience insulin resistance and metabolic issues. And I think understanding that and realizing that we have to change the way that we eat um, often we don't recognize or, or we don't think about protein you know and I'm from that generation where we were just told about you know calories in calories out but not the quality of calories and so you know I'm very much on board with you food is your first line of medicine in that sense and I think understanding that you know Protein isn't going to make you muscle bound or, you know, some bodybuilder or anything. And it's an important component of each of your meals. I think not snacking in between. So you're not continuously pumping out insulin from your from your pancreas. Hydration, you know, drinking a lot of water, you know, plenty of water. Um, also making sure that you, you know, sometimes one of the things I almost have to teach women to do is to eat more rather than less, but of the right foods, you know, and and vegetables as your friend. So I think um, what I often advocate for women is sort of time restricted eating, eating within a window of time. Um, you know, the power of fasting, you know, so, so giving your gut a rest, um, having protein with each meal and really reducing that sugar intake and not snacking you know, and not snacking in between. So, so I think, I think it, it, it's that. So it's not that you have to eat necessarily eat less. You can almost eat more, put more on your plate, but of the right foods and eat them at the right times. Um, and that will really help the way that you feel, your energy levels, your mood, you know, build back some of that muscle mass that maybe you've lost from yo-yo dieting over the years. Yeah. One thing I'm, I mean, I'm, I haven't hit the perimenopause phase, but even for women in the reproductive years, like eating those three meals a day and eating enough of the right food, even for myself, I'm realizing, gosh, I, I'm aware of all this knowledge and it's tough for me to even eat the right amount of protein in every meal. And so many women can I talk about are under eating protein in general, which is like mind blowing. Um, so I'm glad you're bringing this up because it's so imperative. And, you know, we actually get this question a lot where a lot of women who might be nearing perimenopause are like, man, I'm doing all the same things. I think I'm healthy. I'm working out, but A, I'm feeling different and I'm gaining weight. And this has never been an issue for me before. So what would you tell this woman who might be like, Dr. Harper, what's going on with me? Why am I gaining weight out of nowhere? So to understand that, you know, our hormones, female hormones, estrogen and progesterone, there's also testosterone, but we're really talking more about sort of estrogen here. So estrogen is an anti is a natural anti-inflammatory. So we know that when our estrogen levels decline, 
inflammation increases in our body. It also helps um, help, helps our insulin to work efficiently. And insulin is the hormone that when we eat food, you know, naturally our body wants to go down the sort of using sugar and carbs to um, fuel up our body. And insulin is what I, I often say is the key into cells. And suddenly the key doesn't fit into the cells at all. And so we develop this insulin resistance. So we have all this circulating blood sugar, which then gets converted into fat. So what you used to do before, you can't do now because midlife health is almost a speciality in itself. It's different. So so you have to think and eat differently. And that's why I'm saying about, you know, we have to manage that lack of insulin sensitivity. And we also need to manage some of that inflammation in our body and reduce it as well. Um, and the other thing to remember is our body composition changes because of our changing hormones. And testosterone is also the hormone that helps to build muscle. It also helps with metabolism. And because that's been declining from our mid-20s onwards, and suddenly now we've also got uh, a decline in estrogen hormone. Um, the decline in progesterone means we're not sleeping so well. So there are a number of factors which then cause that weight gain. Okay, we know sleep is connected to, you know, um, weight management, we know that, you know, insulin um, resistance will cause weight gain as well. We know that, you know, as our, um, uh, our hormones change, we also, um, um, our body composition changes. And I would say it's more that we get this waist gain around the middle, you know, around the middle, um, and rather than weight, because sometimes people still weigh the same, but their body composition's changed. But it's that visceral fat around the middle, which is unhealthy in the long run. So it's, it's, it's understanding that those things that you did in the past, you know, doing like 20 hit classes a week is not gonna quite work in the same kind of way. You do have to sort of look at it um, with a different um, lens at this point in time. You know, you were talking about muscle. I was reading, um an article the other day where uh, in a study, men who had a 5% decrease in muscle mass over a four-year period had a significantly increased risk of dementia. But the interesting thing about the findings is that it wasn't quite the same for women. And what they were saying in the study is that our brain health for women specifically, the factors that like could contribute to our brain health declining is more our hormones. Not to say that muscle is not important for us, but our hormones are even more important. So what are what do you do? What did you do? Because you were kind of feeling your risk of dementia was higher. And a lot of women feel like a lot of brain changes as, as they get older. If they're starting to feel this, what should they look into? What should they do to protect their brains? So, so I, th I think I think um, it's again going back to basics. You know, it's about sort of exercising to increase that sort of oxygenation and circulation to the brain. Also, reducing those risk factors like raised cholesterol, raised triglycerides. Um, so, diet is super important. And looking at a diet rich in things like phytoestrogens, which you know, sort of work on this estrogen receptors in the body. So, you know, and they help to mimic that estrogenic effect. Um, looking at sort of making sure you are supplemented well in the sense of, we you know, B vitamins can help. Um, also making sure you're taking your vitamin D as well, magnesium. Many women are deficient in magnesium at this point in time, and that's really important for mitochondrial health as well. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing to, see, to, 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 to say is to talk about hormone treatment, like a, mm -hmm. um, here we call it hormone replacement um, therapy or medical hormone treatment, because we know the studies show that if you do have a higher risk of um, dementia in your family, then actually going on to HRT can be beneficial. And you asked me what I did, and that is one of the things that I am on. You know, I am personally 
on um, hormone replace or hormone replacement treatment and been on it since you know I was 43, 44 actually, um, and that helped to uh, reduce many of my symptoms. So I think what I, I often say is it's not one or the other, it's about sort of parallel shifts and changes. Um, hormone treatment may not be for everybody and it doesn't mean to say if you don't take it, you will get dementia or, or not. It's about sort of looking at what works best for you. And also within your lifestyle, um, you, know, you know, many women, um, may, may not need it because they have a different quality of life or different, you know, sort of um, stresses in their life. Many do. There are lots of positives and it's about sort of individualizing it for you. So for me, it works. It's something mm -hmm. I do recommend to a number of my patients alongside, um, you know, the metabolic health side of things, managing their weight, um, you know, alongside all the lifestyle modifications. Um, but I'm not saying everybody has to go on to it, but I think before you decide yay or nay, first get the full facts for you. You know, one thing you mentioned on your Instagram about HRT, and I'm glad you brought this up because we get a lot of women asking, should I try it? Is it for me? So I'm glad it was something that at least has helped you in your own journey. You said it's really important to manage your expectations when it comes around HRT. So can you explain what you mean by that? I think I think sometimes there's a lot in the press that it's going to solve every single problem. OK, and, you know, the way I look at life, which may not be appropriate, considering, you know, you talk about food as being medicine, is I look at it like a, a layered cake. OK, and there are so many different layers and factors to your own life, you know, environment, relationships, work. Um, and so, you know, all of those affect your health. And so adding back um, some hormone isn't going to solve your relationship problem or suddenly going to give you the, the promotion that you want. And so when I say um, manage your expectations, it will help you to feel better. OK, it will help to we know it, it's the, the, the recommended choice for women experiencing things like hot flashes, um, night sweats, vasomotor symptoms for vaginal dryness and irritation, you know, also for menopausal sort of mood issues and things. Um, but, you know, that you may you might be sen sensitive to it. So I often say, and I don't know if you've ever watched Indian Matchmaker, but I, <laughs> I often say if, 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 if you can feel sort of 70% better, then that's a good start, you know, because remember, there are other factors going on in your life. And also managing expectations. It's not just going to work overnight. You know, mm -hmm. it's going to take some time, but of, um, it can take three to six months to get the right dose for you. But what I often find is really helpful for many women is it can be a catalyst for change. You know, it, 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 it can get them some of their mojo back. They can feel, you know, that joy returning in their life. They're sleeping better. So, mm -hmm. so you know, then they can go and take that that long walk or that run or take up that exercise they were thinking, they can spend a bit more time doing meal preps and stuff. So it's often that catalyst for change. And we know from studies that, you know, women who are on HRT do tend to be healthier because of those, um, because of that. But, you know, don't expect it to solve every single problem. And often there can be a few bumps in the road getting to that point. And this is what I say to patients. I say, look, there can be some bumps in the road getting to where we want to go. Um, and that's normal. And, and also, if you are going to go on a form of HRT, it may be that the, the first form that you're on to or the first regimen that you're on to may not suit you. And we may need to change it. Um, but that doesn't mean to say we won't find one that works for you. And, you know, the three of us are very different women, you know, and, and, and also our lifestyles might be different. So we need different types of preparations for each one of us. So it's a bit like when women go onto the contraceptive pill, you know, when I used to look after students and I used to say, look, the pill that suits you 
may not suit me and vice versa. And let's give it a little bit of time to sort of settle in and bed in. So that's why I talk about realistic expectations. Mm. None of us live in a perfect world in a perfect life. But, you know, if we can get to about 70, 75%, I think that's quite good. Yeah. And and I love that because, you know, whether HRT or not, I feel like this is at least for me, I tend to compare myself to others like, okay, they're doing this, but I don't feel that way when I do, you know, it could be anything, whether for me, it was back in the day was fasting. I'm like, I actually feel like crap when I fast during the day. And I was like, you know what, at this stage that I'm at now, I'm turning 35. I'm like, I'm just going to honor what, how I feel, because like you said, it's so unique to your lifestyle, your body. So it goes back to the first thing you said early on of just honoring how you feel and that connection with your body is like fundamental in just helping your wellness. And I love that you said also, it's like a holistic approach. If you have a stressful marriage, if you have a tough job that you feel is toxic, like doing these wellness practices or going on HRT, isn't going to be the end all be all to make you feel better. It's it's everything all in one. So I love that you give a very realistic approach, which I think is super important. So no, I appreciate for that. me, it's really important about keeping it real. You know, it's keeping yeah. it real. I, you know, I run a, I, I, I have a job. I can't be out there training two, three times a day. You know, I can't, you know, there are going to be times when, you know, I buy a snack or, you know, before we came on, I had a cookie, you know, um, I'm, yeah. I'm going to hand up to that. You know, I needed a little bit of an oomph there. So I'm just yeah. saying, you know, I think it's about keeping it real and being non-judgmental and not being too hard on yourself. And I loved the way you said holistic, Yasmin, because you said holistic. And I think it's it's an even better word because it is holistic. You know, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, Speaking of mojo, we were talking about a lot of women who follow, who are going through perimenopause and they follow our seed cycling protocol, tell us, I actually have a libido. I haven't had a libido in so long. My husband's like, what's going on? This is exciting. What are some other ways that women can support their libido at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it may not, your, your sex drive may not be as high as it was, but it hasn't gone away, first of all. And it's very typical that women lose that initiative drive, okay? Um, and, and I think that's when they start to worry and they think, oh my God, have I lost confidence in my own body? Is it going to function? Is it going to work? They may be experiencing dryness and that might also go with their cycle as well. You know, just before their period, they may be more more tired, more dry, more uncomfortable, but then in the middle of the cycle when they're ovulating, they may well be feeling more up for it. So I think understanding that it's okay, you know, that you, you know, you that there are going to be times of the month that you feel more excitable than others. And also that initiative drive doesn't mean loss of initiative drive doesn't mean to say your body's lost, it's reactive drive. So, you know, and I often when I tell that to a couple, there's a sigh of relief from both sides because he's thinking it's, it's okay you know it's okay she'll respond and she's thinking thank goodness my body's going to respond but I also think it's you know it's time to be a bit more adventurous you know um and um one of the things that many of us do around this time I think because of so many other things going on and maybe fatigue and things there's a bit of a mind-body disconnect so um we do have to work at it a little bit you know I, I do call it homework you know, you're going to have to maybe be a bit more creative. You know, using a sex toy can be really good for you, your mental health and your physical health and and, and your pelvic floor. Um, so, you know, sometimes I, I suggest to women, look, why don't you just practice on your own? You know, take your time over it. Find a quiet moment. You know, get uh, use a sex toy. But also um, look at your vaginal health. It may be that you need some additional estrogen down there. 
use, you know, a vulva vaginal oil, you know, to lubricate, you know, I've created something called the facial and I often sort of say, you know, using a little bit of oil and massage it into your, into your sort of cheeks, your labia, you know, um, also your mons pubis, your clitoris and all the way towards the back passage because our skin changes. So just as we moisturize our face, we need to look after our vulvas, you know, and, and perineum as well. So, you know, take ownership of your body. You, you know, you have to work at it a little bit, you know, you know, and, and practice. There's no nothing wrong in it. And enjoy the journey. We don't always have to reach orgasm to get fulfillment. Dr. Harper, what do you wish you knew about menopause and perimenopause in your 30s? Oh, well, I, I think what I wish I'd known was that it can be a great time, actually. You know, I think when I think about my 20s and her 30s and the image I have had of that woman in her 40s and her 50s, it was quite negative And I thought, I really don't want to get there. And, you know, what I now wish is it's so nice to see so many other women like myself you know, thriving, and it can be a time of, you know, thriving, and that's where I feel I'm at, and I and I feel a bit like a stuck record when I say I'm living my best life right now. It's not smooth sailing, um, you know, the fact that I'm openly talking about sex with women, you know, I'm talking about helping them get through this sort of stage of life, but I think it that that's the thing that excites me, you know, I love the fact that it's a real exciting time and a lot of women find their voice they find who they are their power and um and for me i think i wish somebody had just told me look okay you know it may be a bit challenging at times you may get these symptoms but it's all right you know because you're you're you'll develop as a woman you know and you you can thrive as a woman and also you'll meet a whole community of women and i think talking to each other um, is brilliant. You know, that's the thing. You're know, talking to each other, sharing, um, it really helps women um, to understand that they're not alone. I love that. I Somebody the other day said the average age of peak body confidence is actually 60, which is really interesting to me, right? Because we would think, oh, it's when you're in your 20s and you look your best. But no, most people feel they're most confident later in life, which is really exciting. And I love that you said that because like, we all just want something to look forward to. And we're all passionate about making each stage of a woman's life amazing and exciting. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And thank you for being here with us. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful talking to you both. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.